This is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a program about connections, international business, supply chains and globalization and the effects these have on our life, our work and our travel. Today on Interlinks, we're going to be talking about inflation busting strategies and that businesses can undertake quickly and effectively. So this came about because I was struck recently while listening to an Irish economist but he's quite a celebrity economist here in Ireland called David McWilliams on his own podcast. And uh, David was, um, he said something along the lines of that the bottlenecks and the queues and the lines that we had seen in airports around Europe this summer were, in fact, a physical manifestation of inflation, which I thought was interesting. So, in essence, what he's saying is that when demand outstrips uh, capacity like this, we get shortages. We get bottlenecks, we get falling productivity, and we get rising prices. So in effect, the lines are, as Mike Williams said, the physical manifestation of inflation. So I think then consequently, looking at things from a, from a logistics operations point of view, as, as we would as a supply chain professionals, I figured that looking for opportunities to remove bottlenecks and improve productivity is going to be a great way for companies to combat and beat inflation over, over time. And I know from my own own uh, consultancy work with clients in manufacturing, in distribution, and in logistic services. I've yet to meet a company uh, that couldn't identify in you know literally half an hour myriad opportunities uh, to unblock bottlenecks and to improve productivity in their pro- processes and in their operations. So I figured then that those companies that can do this successfully uh, and more successfully than their competitors at a time of high inflation have a great opportunity on their hands here and they can gain uh, two types of advantage. So if if prices are rising all around you uh, in the sector, well then if you, if you do this, you may opt to rise your prices like everybody else, not because you have to, uh, but because you take advantage and you increase uh, your margin. Or alternatively, you may opt to keep your prices more competitive and actually gain market share, or you could do a bit of, a bit of both. Um, so I think then for, for some companies, for those companies who understand the concept in physical and operational terms, uh, rather than, you know, as opposed to some sort of abstract and mysterious force from outside, um, this bout of inflation might be a golden opportunity. So uh, to discuss the topic, uh, I'm delighted again to be joined by a couple of my colleagues from the Supply Chain uh, Special Interest Group of the Society for the Advancement of Consulting. And they are uh, Lisa Anderson, President of LMA Consulting in Los Angeles, California. Welcome, Lisa. Glad to be here. Great to have you. And Antonio Zrilic, President of uh, Logico Consulting in Zagreb in Croatia. Welcome, Antonio. Oh, hello. So, uh, Lisa, I might start with uh, you. So what is your view on this connection between uh, bottlenecks, productivity and inflation in the manufacturing sector, which is where I think you spend most of your, 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 your working hours? And what do you see companies doing in this regard to address inflation with regard to their own competitiveness and, and or their own profitability? Well, I mean, I think you're right that, you know, that the bottlenecks result in inflation because I could see even like, some of the scarce materials um, and or, you know, ones that have been delayed, et cetera, are the ones that are, you know, have inflated prices. So to some degree, I mean, you can see that as a bottleneck and they can like look for additional suppliers and, um, you know, uh, 
try to, I mean, the problem is, is that, you know, if it's a material that they're purchasing, um, that's, there's only so many options. They can look for other suppliers. Now, if it's something that they're manufacturing, they also are looking at other ways of eliminating that bottleneck, like reshoring um, or nearshoring to a to a country close by. Um, and so, I, I think though you're you're generally speaking right that if they can focus their attention on the bottlenecks and think about how they can um, solve those creatively, they'll be in better shape. Um, because like you said, they may want to just cut back and, and produce or ship to the, just those customers that are really their target and ideal customers. That's one way to get through the bottleneck quicker as well. So it doesn't always have to be eliminating the bottleneck, at least near term. Maybe while, they, while they're eliminating the bottleneck, they only ship to customers that are their ideal clients, those types of things. Yeah, I guess that runs the risk of alienating some other clients, doesn't it? And letting them down. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, however, if they're not their target customers, you know, they may be able to pick up more our ideal or target type customers. So it just depends. To your point, they would alienate the ones that they um, uh, yeah, transition yeah, to someone else. Of course, they might. They might not mind. You know, they might not be the the ideal Correct. customers, as you say. But it is an interesting concept because in order to do that, you would have to do some sort of a customer profiling, which is very interesting yep. and worthwhile doing. And then you would say, okay. Well, if these really are my ideal customers, what can I do, I guess, one, to remove the bottleneck and two, to actually look for opportunities to increase productivity? Um, yeah. And, then and that's have, what they are doing. Yeah. I, I, most of my, you know, my best clients are doing exactly that because some of them are, all of them are having to prioritize to some degree. If nothing else, from a manufacturing point of view, they don't, they can't find enough people. Um, and so they are having to prioritize um, at least near term. Yeah. And what, what do you think about, uh, you deal with manufacturers as, as do I, and every every plant I go into, um, you know, whether it's moving pallets in and out of uh, production lines or, or packaging lines or the way the warehouse is, is operating, there are huge underexploited and unexploited opportunities for productivity improvement. Do, do, do you see people pay more attention to that now or, or what do you see? <laughs> Yes, definitely. They are looking for more, um, you know, like gains from automation, because to your point, another way to eliminate a bottleneck is to automate it. So I was just in a plant last week of a client and they actually are highly automated, which was quite impressive. And they still have quite a few people, but they're constantly looking for ways to um, to, uh, you know, keep their production lines running um, and having machinery and equipment and uh, other you know, other equipment type of things do the work for the people. However, it does seem to create a bottleneck, a new bottleneck in high skilled people that can handle how to run all of those machines and figure out how to like um, resolve complex bottlenecks that arise between, you know, when there's conflicts. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Antonio, um, there's a lot of companies out there for one reason or another um, still have a lot of uh, cash on, on hand or they have ready access to capital if they if they need it. So what, what do you think of the argument? And you know, implementing implementation might be one of the things you would do, but what do you think of, of the argument that in a situation like this with conditions of high uh, inflation, it makes good sense to use that cash now 
uh, to invest in productive assets and capabilities, whether it's automation or, or training or bringing in you know, people with, with, with new skills, things that are actually going to improve your productivity in the future, rather than kind of sitting on the, on the money whose value is being whittled away by inflation or buying back your own shares or doing some sort of financial engineering. So what do you, what do you think of that kind of uh, argument and approach? Yeah, uh, uh, thanks for for the uh, for the question. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I have uh, uh, contact with a lot of uh, uh, clients that uh, um, uh, confront with uh, uh, confronted with this uh, uh, kind of uh, 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 question uh, whether to invest in, for example, in supplies or in inventory uh, or, or or some other uh, uh, longer term uh, assets or or uh, or not uh, uh, we we actually from from the consulting business and from a supply chain uh, uh, branch uh, 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 liked to preach before about uh, uh, just in time and low inventory and everything and uh, uh, to be lean and, and so so uh, so in, uh, in last year and and this year uh, there there were a lot of uh, 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 turbulences and and uh, and uh, 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 high prices and uh, this disturbances in in the supply chain and on the markets. So uh, uh, people were not uh, uh, sure if this uh, just in time uh, thing or concept uh, really works anymore. Uh, and uh, that's that's where this uh, uh, investment in inventory uh, comes and. Uh, uh, that uh, that's that's your question, and uh, I think that, and I always, uh, uh, I was always uh, very uh, cautious about uh, uh, the uh, uh, suggestion to 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 my clients uh, to go and and buy a lot of uh, inventories and to sit on them because inventories are also a funny thing uh, uh, that you you don't know what what will you need in in the future. And uh, okay, uh, in in uh, situations like this, this when when uh, uh, um, raw materials and components, uh, uh, the, the prices of, of raw materials and components uh, went uh, 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 very high, it is good to have uh, some of uh, some of the uh, strategic uh, inventories uh, on hand just to keep a production going. But uh, uh, well, uh, you, you have to be cautious about that. What is your strategic uh, 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 inventory? Uh, as as Lisa said, what are your uh, strategic uh, uh, clients, customers, uh, in order to uh, to more to uh, to be more focused on on uh, on what your uh, what what uh, of where where your cash are coming uh, is coming uh, from and so on. So so this is. Um, something about that, but uh, gen uh, generally, uh, uh, I just want to to uh, uh, refer to to the uh, productivity and the bottlenecks um, uh, in more general sense. Uh, uh, I, I spoke to uh, uh, one uh, client uh, three or four years, maybe five years ago, and uh, uh, here in Croatia, there was uh, uh, it, it started. Uh, uh, problems with the with the labor and the uh, uh, prices of, or, or costs of labor that went uh, 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 higher and higher, and uh, 
Uh, and he said to me, okay, I'm, I'm aware of this, that uh, cost of, uh, of labor will, will go up. And uh, what we can do uh, as a company, it is to, uh, to be more productive. So with productivity, you can uh, manage a little bit uh, costs and, uh, and uh, 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 to, 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 to have uh, a little bit uh, edge uh, if, uh, if you don't want to go along with the, with the, uh, 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 making uh, higher prices uh, just because you can because it is it is not uh, go the, the the prices are not going to to rise forever uh, at some point uh, people will say or buyers buyers uh, uh, customers will say okay we don't pay any more uh, that money and then then will come the moment of truth <laughs> Yeah, and I guess with this new um, period of uh, uncertainty, companies are going to be building resilience, and resilience normally means redundancy. So you've got more things, yeah. more options, more inventory, more um, equipment, more capabilities, or whatever. So therefore, where the efficiencies are, 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 are to be taken, you do need to take them because otherwise, if you're inefficient and you're trying to build resiliency, you're going to become totally uncompetitive, right? You're going to you're going to price yourself out of the market, uh, even even though there is a certain amount of uh, elasticity in prices now. So people are expecting price rises, so you can get away with it for a period, as you say, but thereafter you're going to be in trouble. Isn't that right? Yeah, 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 definitely. Ninety three point nine Dublin South FM. Lisa, I, I don't know whether you are, but I certainly am old enough to remember <laughs> the inflation of the 70s and 80s. Um, but it, it strikes me that the, the reasons and the fundamentals of the inflation today are quite different from uh, back then in the past. And I get, I see in, in the press and in interviews and stuff, people conflating the two and saying we're going back to the 70s and 80s and so on. And I, and I don't think it's that it's that way at all how how do you see it and how would you contrast the similarities or differences between now and then well i mean i think that some in the us anyway there's been a lot of money stimulus money that we've given to people that are spurring on inflation um or that we've you know like a lot of spending that the government has done that spur that spurring on this inflation in addition there's the issue, obviously, oil and gas prices. Um, they were going up before the Russia-Ukraine war at a pretty um, strong clip because of we were, you know, our policies um, were no longer supportive of um, oil and gas production in the U.S. And then, of course, the Russia-Ukraine war spurred that on. So really, there's those are the really the two things that are spurring on most of the inflation here is um the spending of money and the oil and gas prices, which some of that I think is related to the 70s and some of it is definitely not related to your point. Um, the question is what's gonna be the difference in how we handle this? I do think stagflation is seems to be occurring here um, where we have periods, we're gonna have inflation and it doesn't seem like it's going down anytime soon. At the same time, people are panicking with uh, rising interest rates and um, you know, like starting to, uh, reduce people. However, we don't even have as many people back in the workforce um, as we had pre-COVID in the first place because lots of people have just decided to retire. So I don't. It's a very different situation from that point of view. Yeah. So jobs are, jobs are still plentiful in the U.S. Right. So 
if you, if you want a job. So the reason the, the, the employment figures are lower is because people have opted out of the, uh, the workforce. But if you want to work, there are jobs to be had. Isn't that right? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of jobs. A lot of people are looking for, or I should say a lot of clients are looking for people. I think the question is, is that who they're looking for is not necessarily the people who, like there are people who don't want to work, um, at least in the jobs that are available. So there might be a mismatch of the types of jobs that people want to hire. And then the people who are willing to work, what they're willing to do are two different things. So uh, that's part of the problem. And then there's just, there are plentiful jobs though, to your point, um, generally speaking. However, there are, like there's a lot of people who've retired, so there aren't as many people in the workforce. So that part of the reason why there's plentiful jobs is because a lot of people have retired and um, just aren't you know working anymore. So they need to replace those skills. So it's it's a it's a quandary to be sure, Patrick, because there are um, there are a lot of people like starting to announce layoffs at the same time. So it's 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 a quandary to be sure. It's I don't, quite, it's quite, I don't it's know quite, how to interpret this problem. I, I, <laughs> I noticed as well that uh, figures came out, um, inflation figures for the U.S. Uh, June and July, and I think they were the same. So it looked like yes. it looked like they were, it was beginning to top out, right? Um, yeah, inflation is staying. It's staying high. The the but it's it's not like increasing. I don't think it's necessarily going to continue to increase, but it's dramatically higher than the interest rates. Um, so we're like completely out of alignment. It's like the you know as badly as we were aligned from the global supply chain, like the products were not where customers wanted them to be. Um, at the right time. Yeah. And, you know, the ports were a mess and now the ports aren't a mess, but like the rails a mess. So like the problems move around. Yeah. Well, I feel like it might be the same in terms of these, uh, you know, the, the, the inflation and the situation you're bringing up with jobs, because it seems like um, you're right that there's, there's like some conflicting factors that uh, we have to work through here. Yeah. And I, and I guess the interest rates, prior to the spike in inflation and prior to the Fed beginning to raise them were abnormally low and had been abnormally abnormally low, low like zero I mean there are nothing really you could say you know interest rates are coming back to normal if if the and in the case of the US you're pretty energy self-sufficient anyway now I know you're you're suffering because prices are set on a, on a global level but you know the US is doesn't have an energy. Um, no, not if we want to produce. But right now, our, our policies are are prohibitive mm. of our ability to produce. However, it gets bad enough. One would think that the government's going to change their mind. Yeah, well, I guess, I, that I, we can. I, I guess you still got to go through the energy transformation because that's inevitable, right? I mean, there's no there's no going back. Sure, sure. I'm just saying that we have to like. Um, like I've gotten into this conversation in another group, but uh, there we're not yet. The technology does not yet exist to go where they want to go. So we have that to your point, it could spur us there. Like we were talking about this, I think, on another call, but it could spur us there. But we um, but we need interim support. You can't get rid of your interim support until you have a solution. And and what we're doing is um following in Europe's footpath footpath of getting rid of our interim support in certain in certain um, states anyway, like California. We've gotten rid of um, our supply of energy before we had a replacement supply, and that's just problematic. Yeah, yeah. Antonio, um, in uh, Croatia, um, much more recently than than for the rest of us, 
So we're, we've been talking now about inflation in the 70s and 80s. But much more recently in, in Croatia, um, you, you personally lived through a period of high inflation in the wake of the breakup of Yugoslavia and Croatia becoming independent. So this is in the 1990s. So it's not, it's not really that long ago in the grand scheme of things. So what was that, what was that like? How did Croatia deal with it? And what lessons did you take from that time that might be valuable today? Well, uh, it is uh, uh, also not much comparable uh, uh, to today's uh, inflation. It was uh, a lot of a lot uh, a higher inflation rate. It was uh, like seventy percent uh, per month or something like that. It was hyper in- inflation, and uh, uh, it was uh, tough uh, uh, because the wages were very low and. Uh, and uh, um, uh, but but uh, this this kind of inflation it's uh, uh, when uh, 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 becomes when when uh, uh, things go out of the hand yeah so so governments probably want to uh, uh, to finance uh, in our case there there was war and uh, you have to finance the war. Uh, somehow, and uh, inflation is one of the, of, of the uh, of, uh, possibilities, and then it, it gets out of the hands, and, uh, and then you have uh, uh, problems. Yeah, and uh, but also this uh, this inflation uh, uh, started before the war, so so it was all uh, uh, mixed up. So, but uh, but get, uh, but if 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 we want to, uh, so so I don't think that there are some uh, things that we can. Uh, Compare and and uh, then we had some kind of uh, of uh, anchor uh, where we could uh, uh, hold uh, ourselves the value of of what we have. For example, uh, Deutsche Mark then was very stable, and uh, when when you get your uh, I don't know wage uh, or or your salary or or whatever, you you just uh, exchange it for for uh, Deutsche Mark, and then then you are safe. Uh, now, now we, do, we don't have something like that. So, what what can we uh, buy? Uh, gold, uh, uh, Bitcoin, or or or, or uh, some uh, real estate? Uh, but but it, that's that's not uh, also uh, uh, stable anymore. So, um, uh, so it's it's uh, uh, difficult to to compare these uh, these uh, uh, phenomena. But uh, uh, also, when when we uh, just to 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 go back a little bit, uh, when we uh, spoke about. Uh, bottlenecks and how to um, uh, uh, how to uh, to make this uh, this uh, situation uh, better. Uh, uh, before we uh, when, when, two years ago or, or three years ago, uh, I worked on on uh, a number of uh, projects where we uh, try we we were trying to to remove bottlenecks from uh, processes in in uh, manufacturing and uh, logistics and so uh, in order to to widen capacities, to, to make more uh, capacities, because we had a lot of uh, uh, demand and and we wanted to uh, to uh, satisfy it, and uh, and now I'm uh, uh, I, I fear that uh, that we'll uh, have to remove this bottleneck just uh, in order to 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 make uh, uh, productivity uh, uh, better and to uh, to uh, you know. Uh, uh, run in 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 one place. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. To stay still. So you're running. Yeah. Stay still. Just, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it uh, it is not uh, yet uh, uh, visible uh, this this scenario, but but I fear it it will be maybe in in uh, in a year uh, uh, because uh, this demand and uh, will will not go uh, uh, 
indefinitely with these pri uh, prices. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so this, right. this will be the problem. You, you can go with prices uh, for, for some time uh, up and then, uh, uh, because this is also a uh, situation here in Croatia, we are a tourist uh, uh, destination and, uh, and uh, our government uh, uh, every year uh, counts how many uh, people uh, uh, came and how much uh, did we uh, earn and so, and they say, okay, this year we we are very uh, we have uh, a good a good results. But uh, when you uh, compare uh, uh, just financially, it is as good as uh, 2019, and this is uh, best off uh, uh, for us. But then when you when you compare uh, quantitatively, uh, then then it's not uh, that that good. So. So uh, the prices uh, went up, and uh, these prices com uh, compensate uh, uh, for for uh, this decline in, decline in the volume. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah. it's it's not uh, uh, very rosy uh, as it seemed like uh, uh, just now, but uh, it is not uh, bad either uh, yet. But it it could be uh, uh, worse than 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 it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, well, I guess. Uh, sorry, Lisa. Did you want to say something? Well, I, I mean. It it was, I was just thinking more about what you were saying before. The thing that I see that's, I don't know if it's different now. You'll have to tell us what you think, Patrick. But what here, the issue too is, is that like the people are no longer used to living. They're used to living on credit, right? So like they're, they don't understand like what it's going to be to, to replace or to like, you know, buy a house that's like a million dollars or something. Mm -hmm. And then be able to pay these interest rates that are much higher they're used to paying years, like yeah. nothing and they have no idea so i don't know if that's I, that much i don't remember about the 70s so you'll have to tell me if that was the case but um i, I don't know what that's going to mean because i just think that there's going to be some severe recessionary trends um because of that at the same time like we still have supply severe supply disruptions i think that are going to continue to go on because the china China Taiwan thing is highly problematic. The um, you know the Russia Ukraine war is not getting solved. There's lots of uh, we're we're trying we're all trying to go to this like um, green energy, which but we don't we won't produce any of the materials that are required, and we're reliant on all these countries that like are we should not be reliant upon. So like I don't know like yeah, what this yeah. is all so gonna, there's a, like, there's going to be a, yeah, there's <laughs> going to be a lot of, there's a lot of reconfiguration and a lot of pending. Uh, topics coming together at the one time and then yes. you have this complacency that's built up over a long time as you mentioned there with people not understanding credit right. and interest rates any longer so yeah there's no no doubt there's a whole load of challenges but there are i think a lot more flexibilities than there were in those economies back in the 70s and 80s in terms i would of, agree in terms of labor, more in, options. Terms, in terms of options more options yeah yep. and there's 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 greater technology that uh, helps to optimize and definitely to, and to Definitely. improve productivity. So that's that's going to help. It's just interesting. You reminded me when you spoke about, you know, buying a house in times of high inflation and interest rates and so on. And my my parents bought a house in 1971. And at that time, uh, we didn't use the, the euro then. We used the, the pound back, back in the day, the Irish pound. And um, I think the house cost £4,000 or something like this. Uh, right. But, which seemed like an enormous amount of money. So yeah, absolutely. I, My parents I, did too. Yeah, about that I, same time frame. Yeah. How will I ever pay this? How will I ever pay this back? But um what, what happened was the inflation through the 70s 
whittled away that debt w- w- without them necessarily paying it. So say, well, well, they did pay it, of course, but it became minuscule because yeah. of inflation. So by 1980, say nine, 10 years later, whatever was left was it was really a pittance because it had literally been eaten away by inflation. Well, so that, that happens as well. I mean, you're, you, you're, you're right about that. So like there that's, might that's what, be. That's, what, that's why I'm saying maybe to invest in hard assets now, you know, like. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. I think that's absolutely true. I guess the question is which hard assets and what would they be? But I, I totally agree that during inflationary times, that's what you need to do. Yeah, oh. yeah. Well, uh, as always, we've been beaten by the clock. So <laughs> it's been a, it's been a pleasure, and it was getting uh, it was getting quite interesting. So uh, we might have to come back on this. So it's been a, a pleasure, as always, to uh, talk to you both, and uh, look forward to picking it picking it up with you again uh, this time next month. So thanks also to our listeners for tuning in, and you can find the Interlinks podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, and other podcast platforms. So uh, keep well and stay safe until next time.